0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 24th chapter. Glory. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus himself stood among the disciples and said to them, Peace be with you. And they were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, Why are you frightened and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. And then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. And Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated, and I'd like to invite our young folks to come forward. Um, I'm going to sit right there because I'm going to need to use this thing to stand back up again after all the yard work yesterday, so, and thanks for not being shy. I know I'm not Pastor Ben, and he's uh, much more familiar to you, but i uh, Overcoming your stranger danger sometimes can lead to good things. So I am glad that you are here this Sunday. Did you enjoy the sunshine yesterday? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. yeah it was cold because me and my brother are wearing shorts. You're wearing shorts. <laughs> I I wish I was too, but, um, you know. I, so, I, c- I only like warm days. I only like warm days, too, especially after a long, long winter. I just want it to be warm. Have you gotten rid of all your Easter candy yet? Is that all gone? No. Mm-hmm. You we still had, have Easter candy? None. We did, We had none. You had none? Oh, you're, they gave you broccoli for Easter or something like that? Yeah. No. No. Well, we, Mom gave us chocolate. But <laughs> it's cool. I like this guy. He's going to be a pastor. He's going to be a bishop someday, I think. Um... Okay, so we still have some Easter candy, so I don't need to get this basket out at the end of the children's sermon, right? Yes. Oh. I do. Okay. How do you know there's a How do you know there's a basket here? It's an Easter one well, because you 're used to seeing it every single Sunday, right yeah. because when i 've been visiting here, I know that Pastor Ben usually says something really wonderful and wise to you, and you all nod and you stay here until the final minute because I know and he knows and you know that at the end of the children 's sermon he 's going to get this basket out now, what if I told you the basket wasn 't there? Would you believe me yeah, yeah you 'd believe me well. That's nice, but um, it is there. What I'm trying to say is, we expect things to be a certain way sometimes, right? We expect that when you guys start to fidget, that Pastor Ben is going to say, "Look at my nose. <laughs> it's a beautiful nose, right?" That's what he says. You don't have to look at my nose. My wife says it's so small you couldn't see it anyway. But, but, Pastor Ben says, "Look at my nose," right? Yes. You can count on him doing that. But if he didn't do it one Sunday, it would be kind of strange. Well, in our gospel lesson today, we have a similar situation. The disciples were expecting one certain set of facts to remain true. They thought Jesus was dead. And so when Jesus showed up in the room, they were kind of surprised. In fact, they were terrified. That's what the Bible says because they thought he was a spooky ghost. But he wasn't. He was really there. And he said, look, it's me. Look at my nose. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's really me. You can imagine how surprised they were. As surprised as if I suddenly took this basket and pulled a live rabbit out of it instead of just giving you those Mott's chewy things, right? Even more surprised than that. And that surprise is what makes the church wonderful. Because we have a surprise coming for all of us. And that is Mr. Smarty Pants. We are going to have eternal life with Jesus who has risen from the dead and promises us that we too shall rise. So, I want to do a repeat after me prayer with all of you. Is that okay? And I'm sorry for calling you Mr. Smarty Pants although I'm sure That's you're very intelligent. We're cool. Okay, fist bump. There we go. So, I So I'm going to fold my hands and I'm going to say something and I want you to say it up to God, okay? Dear God, thank you for being the best surprise, an Easter surprise. Thank you for the promise of eternal life with you. Amen. All right. So is now the time for me to get the basket out? Yes. Are you sure? Yeah. If there's a bunny, I'll give it to myself. Should I just give the basket to the choir this time and let them Yeah. Maybe there's enough for everybody. Yeah, there is. Do you think Pastor Ben would be surprised if he came back and the basket was empty next Sunday? All right. Choir, I'll leave it up to you and your conscience. Uh, after the service, if you want this, you're going to have to wrestle with your ethical sense of purpose. Here you go. There you go, sir. Grab one for your brother, that's a good idea. When, um, <laughs> when Pastor Ben first told me about the look at my nose thing, we were at Camp Nawakwa together. And we were studying Ash Wednesday. And he, he told the campers there, uh, this was confirmation camp, he said, OK, everybody, OK, everybody, look at my nose. It's made of dust. So there were kind of an Ash Wednesday twist on the usual, I guess you had to be there. OK. <laughs> but it was a, a beautiful moment in our understanding of, of God's grace and so forth. So a few years ago, I read an article, uh, and these are the kind of things that stick with you, about an Army veteran named John Crabtree who had been receiving benefits from uh, the Veterans Administration. He was wounded in Vietnam and was living on disability. And then one day out of the blue, he received an official notification from the VA that he had expired and was no longer eligible to receive benefits. He was dead. it was kind of shocking that he read this notice to himself. And of course, he called the local VA uh, office, the local hospital, and said, I'm still here. <laughs> Could I keep receiving my benefits? And they said, well, we, you can't prove it to us over the phone that you're alive, of course. So they transferred him from desk to desk, you know, typical bureaucracy type of thing. And finally, they had to, uh, y- you know, make him come down there and person, which, of course, when you're on disability, isn't the easiest thing to do. And by the time they got this thing all sorted out, fingerprints, birth certificate, and so forth and so on, the local media had become involved. And the local affiliate had an interview with this dead veteran who was alive and asked him, well, how do you feel about all this? And he said, well, it's kind of weird and funny in a sad sort of way. but..." Um, I don't know. How is it that, uh, how, how, what would you do if somebody said you were dead and you had to prove to them that you were alive? And I thought, oh, there's gospel in that. Because this is what Jesus had to do, right? Now I suppose none of us here this morning have trouble convincing the people around us that we exist, our husbands and wives and parents and kids grudgingly admit that we exist from time to time, even though they might rather ignore us. Um, But imagine what it would be like to be alive in a world that thinks you're dead. Uh, imagine walking into the house uh, at a family gathering and, and having watching them all freak out because they thought you were gone and they saw you put in the ground or scattered at sea or whatever. Uh, imagine the people you work with doubting your existence, having cleaned out your office cubicle or desk or whatever, and then suddenly you showing up at work the next day. If you can put yourself in the position that uh, that person would experience, you might have an inkling of the task that faced Jesus on Easter Sunday. If you are the risen Jesus, how do you prove that you're alive? They didn't have media back then. He couldn't call the affiliate. He couldn't put out an ad in the paper. I guess you show up uh, and you let folks see you. But God is kind of mysterious, you know. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he could have done something that would have lasted, you know, something we could all just point to in the sky and say, yep, there's the 100% proof billboard that Jesus is alive. Why didn't Jesus make our faith easier? The further we get from that first Easter, the easier it becomes to become Doubting Thomas, right? It shouldn't be too hard for God to arrange something. God appeared in a burning bush to Moses. God rained down fire from heaven and consumed the sacrifice of Elijah and God spoke to Job out of a whirlwind. God came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ and Christ was raised from the dead. Jesus appeared to the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. God even appeared to John of Patmos and gave him the book of Revelation shouldn't be too hard for some sort of modern-day miracle, right? Facebook, Instagram, tweeting, maybe. But after the events of the Bible, things quiet down. I mean, we have the stories of the saints and the martyrs, people having visions, uh, people having miracles occur in their midst. But it seems sometimes in this day and age that God is quiet Or maybe God is at the same volume, it's just that the world has grown so much louder that we're having a hard time hearing. And instead of having the faith of Moses we struggle to have any fortitude at all, we're always looking to probe those wounds of Christ to prove that he's really there. Our faith lives are a series of ups and downs, moments of those crystal blue clarity when the clouds of doubt seem far away, and then it's a morning like this one where we struggle to even know that God is real and that our lives are secure. Okay, I have a hard time with cloudy days. I'm just saying it can be kind of gloomy. But in our gospel text from Luke, Jesus certainly understands the dilemma of the disciples. And with each passing year, as I read this text, I kind of wonder if Jesus is savoring the moment, you know, kind of like you do right before you surprise someone you love with some really awesome news, you know, right before your kid opens that wonderful present, you get a little excited. For example, Luke says the disciples are startled when Jesus says, peace be with you. And most of the time when we read these words, we read them with gravitas, you know, we imagine a blue-eyed Swedish Jesus with a proper British accent saying, peace be with you. But let's remember the reality of the moment. Jesus is speaking Aramaic. It probably sounded something more like shalom lechem." And I like to imagine, and I could be wrong, but I like to imagine Jesus saying it in one of those surprise party voices, like, Shalom Aleichem, you know. <laughs> Luke says the disciples were startled and terrified. Understatement of the year. <laughs> and then Jesus says, and I'm paraphrasing here, because I don't know what the original Aramaic would have been. I said, hey, it's me. Here's my hands. Here's my feet. Go on, touch me. It's Okay. Luke doesn't tell us if any of them did, but I kind of imagine the disciples being a little timid about it. You know, like that kid on the field trip that's always called up to pet the snake or the baby alligator or whatever. You can imagine the disciples being a little hesitant. And then this is where I am absolutely convinced that Jesus is smiling. Perhaps he's even chuckling and he says, y'all got anything to eat here? You know, because isn't that what we do when we walk in to a family gathering? Is there anything on the stove? And they give him a piece of broiled fish, or if he had been here, it would have been a crab cake, and and he eats some of it. And it's one of those ta-da moments, you know. You know Jesus was smiling. After all the pain, after all the anxiety, the feelings of loss and abandonment, the disciples are in the presence of the risen Christ, and he's munching on a filet of fish, and hope is reborn. Hope is restored love wins. And now life has purpose and meaning again. There are two things about this text specifically that give me a lot of hope. Stay with me. There's two things. Here's the first one. Hold up your finger. Okay. Keep, keep holding it. The first is the fact that Jesus comes to him, to the disciples, and he still has scars on his hands and his feet. Let's face it. If the disciples were making this thing up, this whole resurrection thing, do you think they would have included that detail? No, I think the disciples would have, you know, made it a wax on, wax off type of thing where Jesus was perfectly unblemished and a a supreme deity type of thing. But instead we get a very, keep with me, we get a very human Jesus who is still bearing the wounds of his suffering. And the disciples, if they'd been making this thing up, don't you think they would have put in a chapter and verse about Jesus paying a visit to Pontius Pilate or Caiaphas? This is number two, by the way. So two fingers, thank you. Don't you think the disciples would have said, and then Jesus went to the house of Caiaphas and said, by the way, I'm back and we need to have a conversation because it's in our nature to want to provide retribution and revenge stories. But the disciples didn't do that because it didn't work that way. Jesus was changing it up and bringing a new paradigm of grace to us. You can put them down now. We get Jesus with visible wounds on his hands and his feet and he asks for a snack. You can't make this stuff up. And that's why it's real enough for me. Not to mention the fact that if Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead, do you think Peter would have been able to speak with the same kind of authority that he spoke with in the chapter from Acts this morning? No, Peter was terrified. He betrayed Christ three times to a servant girl by a campfire and ran off and wept bitterly. That's the last we ever heard of Peter before the resurrection. But here he is in the book of Acts, sticking his neck way out to the very people who crucified Christ. He must have seen something. Something must have happened, or we wouldn't be here this morning. Something wonderful must be going on in the bread and the wine and in the water of baptism, or we would not be the church. And if the resurrected Christ has scars, then we don't need to be ashamed of our own baggage either. We can bring those things to the table of grace and say, This isn't much, but it's the best that I've got. And God works the miracle. We get the bread of life the wine of grace, and the water of hope in our baptism. We get gathered in and made alive in Christ. It's a life that never ends, but only adds another chapter more amazing than the one before. Amen.